0: news and talk 1380. W-A-O-K. Almost everyone (laughs) wants to own a home. A home is the ultimate evidence that here in America, hard work pays off. We've got the one-stop shop for all your real estate information.
1: Mary, I want to buy another house, but I can't sell the one I already
2: have.
0: Mary Gill has more than 20 years of experience in real estate. You know what? Right now, we're being informed right now on your show. She may not always agree with you.
3: You don't make concessions here, I make concessions there.
0: But at the end of the day, she'll give you her honest opinion and helpful information.
3: You can't just pick a real estate agent off of the internet.
0: Answer the door. It's time for Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News & Talk 1380 WAOK. Call us at 404-892-2703 on News & Talk 1380 WAOK.
3: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to News & Talk 1380 WAOK. You've tuned into Real Estate 101, and I'm your show host, Mary Gill. Good to be back. I was away last week, had some business to take care of, but really happy to be with you this week. I missed you all. I take this responsibility seriously, and I want you to know that um, when I'm away, I do think about you. So I'm happy to be back today. We've got a really, really good show planned for you. Good deals of the decade. I want you to know they're coming to you from out of Gwinnett and they are really, really good deals. Um, then we have some news stories. Interesting ones. So stay tuned for the two o'clock hour for that. And then we also have real estate terminology and that's at 230 two And um, we're it's kind of ties in with the guests that we have today. I have a really special person in happy to have him. Um, He comes to us with a wealth of experience, even though as young as he is, he is a very serious minded young man. So ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters out there, get your young people to the radio, probably maybe 21 to 35, get them to the radio because this young man, he's a powerhouse. He's 29 and he has already done a ton of things, both in the banking industry and in commercial real estate. Now I've heard in the past from my listening audience and I, and I listened that we don't talk a lot about commercial real estate. Well, that's primarily because I'm trying to save people one at a time when they're buying houses. And I do still have stories about what's happened this past week, which is nuts. But um, uh, this young man is here and available to you today to answer questions in reference to a lot of things. I will give you some background on his experience and then if it applies to anything that you'd like to ask him you can feel free to call 404-892-2703 he's worked in the past with some huge companies he's worked in very very um exclusive capacities he has a wealth of knowledge and now he's currently on his own which We love that, don't we? Let me introduce to you and say I'm very happy to have on the show, Mr. Marion Watkins.
1: Thank you, Mary. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: I'm so thankful that you came in.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation.
3: Marion, you know, um, our community, you don't typically think of our community when it comes to commercial real estate. No. No. And usually even in even in residential real estate, our community will typically have others represent them other than ourselves. And yet we're the first ones to say, Oh, support black business, support, black business, support, black business. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this y- is true. yeah when I go to closings, I typically see our people not represented by our people.
1: For sure. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Agents and the closing attorneys.
3: Exactly right. So, um, that is almost really exclusively the case when it comes to commercial real estate.
1: Uh, for sure. Uh, most definitely.
3: Right. Because it seems like they kind of got it on lockdown. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um, something that I think most people don't approach because, uh, the information to feel comfortable dealing with this thing, this is not a casual conversation. Right. Um, You know, at our dinner tables, this is not really casual conversation. Um, At the barbershop, this is just not something that um, you hear being talked about, generally speaking. And so it seems relatively obscure to people, even though it's not really that difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, It's just that you have uh, so few opportunities to really uh, get comfortable with the subject. Right. Because it's not really being spoken about.
3: And not only is it not being spoken about, but if in fact, if the thought even does come up in your mind, let's say someone wants to buy a barbershop or, right. or lease some space. Like I have a handful of commercial clients right now looking for space in different capacities, selling property, you know, and, um, you know, some of all d- different communities I represent. <laughs> I have both black and white clients and everything, but um, it's it's kind of an intimidating subject. Because while people may think it's pretty easy to buy a house and a lot of us try to do that on our own and we still get messed up, commercial real estate is even more intimidating oh, yeah. because the terminology in and of itself is typically unheard of.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's unfortunate because you see it everywhere you go. It's it's right in your face, yet it is invisible for some reason. hmm. And you can't go anywhere without seeing it. So it's the self-storage facility you drive by every day. You pay right. no attention to. It's the gas stations on the corner. It's the shopping mall that you're probably, um, you know, crowding into every weekend. Mm-hmm. It's all of this stuff. It's it's the office building where you work. This is all commercial real estate. And so there's different levels of it. There's um, multi multi million dollar deals in commercial real estate. And there's smaller transactions in commercial real estate, deals. right? Yeah, just like single-family home exactly prices. Exactly right. You know, but just the main difference is that commercial real estate is property that is uh, intended to produce income. So, in that, you know, um, I think that would probably help people begin to get more comfortable with the word itself. OK, so when you say commercial real estate, we're, we're, we're talking about property that's intent and use and purpose is to generate income.
3: Right. Yeah. Not a loss.
1: No, no. Sometimes no. they do. And, you know, that's another topic because sometimes you need that mm-hmm. uh, for tax purposes. But and there's different types of losses as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it's property that's it's it's evaluated. Its, uh, its value is directly attached to the income it produces.
3: So I've, I find it interesting that we as a community typically don't venture out into commercial real estate, be it leasing or buying. But, and yet we certainly utilize the services of other communities like the people in the nail salons and the hair beauty and hair uh, shops and things like that. and we are we are consume, consumers for their businesses and yet some of these people come here can barely speak English and yet they manage their way not only through a successful commercial real estate transaction, but then they become successful.
1: Yeah, I'm experiencing this right now. Uh, my girlfriend is from Germany and um, her words <laughs> verbatim, uh, she came to the United States to visit uh, for the first time earlier this year. And about a month ago, uh, she was in Atlanta visiting me. And she says, it's like the money is on the, on the ground in the United States. It's the, the opportunity is just so uh, available mm-hmm. compared to what she's used to. And I, I think that that's a very important thing to keep in mind is that the perspective and the attitude of someone who's coming to this country to pursue opportunity, it, 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 it opens their mind up, you know, to be more. Um, I, I think more uh, aggressive about looking for opportunities, mm-hmm. um, uh, being more open-minded. Okay, the
3: people uh, who are already here.
1: Right. I right. mean, if, if if you look at the process to come into this country for an immigrant, you know, who's going to come here either, uh, you know, with a uh, job offer or someone who's going to show that they have extraordinary ability and does not need a job offer who can work freelance. If you, if you look at these requirements and look at the paperwork and the process and the timeframes and the expense involved, there's, there's no uh, question as to why a lot of these people are so successful the barrier to entry is so high when they get on the soil, they're not here to be average. No. Uh, the average got weeded out through the process. They didn't make it here. So so the ones that make it here, they're not playing around.
3: They have a plan. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And they're going to implement it. Well, everyone, we're happy today to um, have Marion in the studio. He has a wealth of information, a wealth of knowledge. I want you to tap it. It's a rare opportunity um and also he has some unique experience which i'm sure you're going to find interesting and want to know about as well mary gill i'm back and i'm excited and happy to be with you 404 892 news and talk 1380 waok back in a minute see, it's with love and care.
4: Real Estate 101
0: with Mary Gill on News & Talk 1380 W-A-O-K. News & Talk 1380 (laughs) W-A-O-K. Foreclosures, short sales, reverse mortgages. We talk about it all with Mary Gill on Real Estate 101 on News & Talk 1380 W-A-O-K.
3: KD W A O K shows Real Estate 101. I'm Mary Gill. Joining me today, Marion Watkins. He is a powerhouse at 29. I'm very, very, very proud of him. When I read his bio, it's it's uh it's hugely extensive. It goes on forever. And um, his experience and and his hunger for knowledge and um, and further, like furthering his uh, experience is just mesmerizing to me because you could just look at him and tell that he's he's only begun. He's just begun. So I want everyone to get their young people if they can to tune in, because it's inspirational stories like Marion's that will help motivate us to get past the fear factor and, and not be intimidated to, to branch out into the things that you're going to hear that Marianne is actually a part of. We are going to take a caller. We're going to talk to A.R. Dobbin. How are you?
5: Oh, good. How about you? Good. What's up? Okay. Uh, we've been kind of get in touch with you, but there's nice week or two and uh your phone your uh,
3: voicemail's full
5: <laughs> Full, yeah and so marie my daughter and she called you and talked with you and uh ooh, it about two weeks ago i guess and and i got a house that my brother pays and i wanted to put it on the market and then i and then i Want you to, you know, uh, bring a praise from which you could you do
3: it uh Well, I, yep, I can bring a market analysis with me. I certainly yeah, can. Yeah,
5: and uh, uh, Friday about three thirty, I went. You know, about three thirty because she had to pick me up. I'm having a cab.
3: Okay.
5: And she had to pick me up, and uh, and uh, Friday she said about three thirty, and I told her. I'll get in touch with you because okay. she's working the day. And of uh, course, we've been called in the mail box. And she, yeah,
3: you know, she I went away, to. and sometimes it's just not even worth it, you know, to go uh. away. Because you come back, and it's like an avalanche.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh,
5: so uh, I'm
3: sorry, Mr. Dobbin, but listen, tell you what, hold on. And when I get in my car, I have another little quick appointment after the um, show, and then I'll call you. I'll call you back. So hold on, and my producer will get your number. Thank you. Okay, Marion. You know, to my listening audience, they're aware of the fact that during the break we have conversation, but anybody who knows me... uh, as long as I've been doing this, they know that I don't like to talk during the break because we lose some of, you know, um, the information and it's when coming around a second time, it doesn't come around as as genuine. So I want you to begin to venture into what you were telling me when I said, let's hold on, let's talk about this on the the air and then, you know, well,
1: Well, I I was just trying to explain that in commercial real estate, the scale of the transactions uh, can be, In some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, billions in some cases. Um, But on the other end of that scale, the smaller transactions um, for someone who's getting started in commercial real estate compared to someone who's getting started in single family transactions. um, I'll give you an example of how different it can be based on where you are in your learning curve. Um, So a six and a half million dollar deal in the single family world would be a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you'd probably need several years of experience or a really good relationship with that homeowner or with that buyer Mm -hmm. to be given the opportunity to represent someone. That's right. You know, moving that kind of money around in real estate. But for me, I'll give you an example. Uh, The very first contract that I ever wrote with my real estate license was for six and a half million dollars. And in in commercial real estate, six and a half million is not nearly as big a deal as, th- as, as it is it sounds, in single family. Right. no. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a, th- there's a saying that uh, I don't remember where I picked it up, but, you know, if you can swim in eight feet of water, then you can swim in a hundred feet of water. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, th- there's, there's a learning curve and there's some things that you have to understand about a commercial real estate transaction, but you can very, very quickly be dealing into seven, sometimes even eight figures Mm -hmm. you know, very quickly into your career.
3: Let's talk about that a little bit. When you did this transaction, what type of transaction was it?
1: Uh, It was an apartment complex.
3: And what, where was the connection that allowed you to work this transaction?
1: So the listing broker for the uh, community had reached out to a friend of mine to ask him if he knew anyone that might um, be in the market for something like this. Okay, so his our mutual friend brought it to my attention to see if maybe I um, uh, either had some 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 clients from my world and you know my experience in the bank mm-hmm. um, or. He also knew that I was uh, pursuing my CCIM designation and I needed transactions to fulfill my portfolio requirement. You know, you got to do a certain number of deals. Well,
3: hold hold on. I want to go back and explain that to the listening audience. Sure. Because they don't know what CCIM is. Okay. But let's go ahead and tell them. Now, in order to be a commercial agent... Go ahead and tell them what the requirements are.
1: Well, the CCIM is, a, is, is an institute that offers a designation for mm-hmm. professionals uh, in real estate. And so you might sometimes see it um, behind the comma on someone's business card. It stands for Certified Commercial Investment Member. So it's a designation that has a, like an in-classroom, and I think they also offer online courses now. And so you take classes that teach you financial analysis, market analysis, Okay, and then how to understand leases. Mm -hmm. And this was a great way for me to overcome uh, my learning curve. And um, I needed to do deals in order to become a CCIM. So you have to have transactions in your portfolio.
3: Okay, so let me go back so that I can recap this. Okay, anybody with a license can do commercial real estate. However, if you have the CCIM designation, that means you have accomplished. things in order to have received that designation not only in class um time correct education you which you have to have to get the ccim designation and it's extensive
1: it's graduate level courses um they offer four main courses a 101 102 103 and a 104 Mm -hmm. and they focus on helping you get comfortable and um uh very knowledgeable on financial analysis before taxes are taken into consideration, how to analyze a market, financial analysis with taxes taken into consideration, and also how to understand and analyze leases for different types of commercial property.
3: So typically, and and this is just generally speaking, this is not the case with you, which is another testament to how unique you are. Uh, In my opinion, but typically someone who's starting out in commercial real estate will align themselves with one of the major commercial real estate companies here in Atlanta. Sure. Okay. Then they will come under the tutelage of somebody and then they will learn the business that way pretty much. Um, Also, we're getting ready to go to a break, but also the CCI the CCIM requires a certain amount of sales in order to get that designation and when we come back from the break we're going to talk about that okay but any questions in reference to commercial real estate please feel free to call us today 404-892-2703 or anything as it pertains to real estate Mary Gill Real Estate 101 back in a minute
0: Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News & Talk 1380 WAOK. News & Talk 1380 WAOK. Hello,
1: I'm Jonathan Crandall with Stoddard's Range and Guns. You're listening to Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News & Talk 1380 WAOK. I'm Marianne,
2: Breezy. chick. on that beat? Your chick come close to me She ain't going home where she supposed to pay I'm getting money like I'm supposed to pay I'm getting money like I'm supposed to pay Oh, all my, all my close to me And all the money the boy, supposed to pay Oh, the hook go for me Now your chicks and the pig like post for me Ooh, that's how I supposed to pay uh, Yeah, that's how I supposed to pay uh, Yeah, that's how I supposed to pay, uh, yeah, post to pay. Uh, Everything look like I supposed to pay Pull up to the club and the go, up. go on. Make your girl fall love when I show up It's not my fault She wanna know me Welcome <laughs> back everyone News and
3: Talk 1380 WAOK It's Real Estate <laughs> 101 I'm Mary Gill Today joining me is Marion Watkins And um, he's uh, jumped into Like just head first into commercial real estate But you know what um, Everything takes risk And you really, risk is intimidating and some people like a comfort zone. Yeah. Um, But you really are not going to make any real strides unless you take risk.
1: Right. You have to manage your risk though.
3: Yeah, uh, exactly. And And you manage your risk I I believe you tell me if there's other factors there's probably you have your opinions of other factors involved I believe you manage your risk with knowledge which slash information okay? yeah I agree and this is something not everyone can do Marion but you know what I, be, I know you have it and well I, I, I just have applied this myself over the years of my career is strategy
1: for sure that's key.
3: You have to have a strategy. Not everyone has a strategic mind. Right. And a strategic mind allows you to stand back and look at the, the overall deal, and then it's like a maze yeah. to me. And you have to find the way through very strategically to the end of the maze or to your end product or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And But along the way, there are, you know, pitfalls, pendulums, <laughs> everything coming your way <laughs> and you have to um, have an in, either have enough information or intuition or all of those things together to be able to avoid those things.
1: Yeah, well, y- you know, there's a difference between something uh, that is risky and taking a risk, mm-hmm. okay? Getting in your car every day involves a great degree of risk. Now, there are things that um, you can do to mitigate or try to help decrease um, the chances of something bad happening.
3: Like like getting in it sober, like driving sober. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you you can manage the risk, you know, by driving um, uh, not under the influence, driving when you're uh, alert, Mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe having your music down uh, low enough that you can maybe hear sirens.
3: I drive two car lengths behind somebody. Yeah,
1: things like this.
3: Uh, so, But it's risky when you're drinking and driving. Right. <laughs> and
1: things like that. Maybe driving um, uh, aggressively, changing lanes, mm-hmm. bobbing and weaving through traffic. That takes the activity to another level. And N- your heart, Now it's become risky.
3: And your percentages of success are a lot less. For sure. So people and get into things and they don't really know what they're doing right and your background I'm going to talk a little bit about your background which I find very fascinating and I'm very impressive especially for a young man I uh, i can't you know I'm sorry you're you're, you're kind of my kids ages and I just have to say that I'm proud <laughs> of you
1: <laughs> thank you
3: for, for all of this but let's talk a little bit about your background because sure. I know the listening audience is going to be really excited to hear about it and then I know they're going to have questions because these are the kinds of questions that I field on a weekly basis um, from my listening audience. So you go ahead and tell them what you've done.
1: Okay. Well, I think it's important to talk about the entry point because things have kind of began to uh, accumulate that the snowball in my situation is uh, down the hill. And for some people, they might not really see how they could um, maybe follow what I've done up to this point. But the entry point for me was I started working for, um, I can say the bank's name, you right? Sure you can. don't care? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I started working for Washington Mutual mm-hmm. when I was 15 years old. At that point in time, they offered a high school internship program for high school kids who were juniors and seniors. And so I had to write an essay, and I went in, and I was able to become a bank teller at 15.
3: Marianne, see, I just want to uh, interject this, that that is a very fascinating because— When I was 15, uh, 15 or 16, my dad worked at an employment at the Department of Labor in New York, and he got me a job after school at Bankers Trust. Yeah. So it's hugely important, I think, where you set the bar on where you start. I mean, if you start at McDonald's, you've got a long way to go. You you see what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. And it also speaks to who you are at that point and where you're going. So that, that was, that's amazing that that's where you started at 15. Okay, go ahead.
1: Um, I guess I should back up and kind of explain, uh, what kind of got that, what, what got me moving in that direction. I read rich dad, poor dad when I was 13. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was suggested that I read that book by one of my uncles, who's an attorney. And he handed me the book, um, and he just said he, he thinks it's something I should read over the summer. But it, he also said after that, maybe had he read that book when he was my age, he would not have decided to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. And when you're 13 years old, there's no one more successful than doctors and attorneys and people like this. So to hear him kind of have some regret about
3: being an attorney, being an
1: attorney, it kind of made me think about. Well, what must be so important about this book? What information within this book would make someone who's successful, in my eyes, make a statement like that? Mm
3: -hmm. Okay, so then, see, that's, and you know what? Again, I want to point out what I believe is hugely important about that, all right? Is that uh, my my listening audience, hugely important, hugely important, he had an impact on your life at a young age. I think that's our responsibility as the older generation to have an impact on the younger generation by giving them information by he handed you a tool and he said utilize this tool because I believe this is gonna help you in the future. And I believe that that's what we need to do with the next generation. I think it's a, it's our responsibility. Like my, like my granddaughter, see I wasn't cognizant of that responsibility so much when my kids were coming up although I did teach them the basics and we're playing catch up now that they're young adults or whatever but I have a seven-year-old granddaughter and she knows her assets she knows what will be her future assets right you see what i'm saying not only does she know what they are she knows where they are she even knows how much they are and i have told her what to do with them even though well now she's eight she just turned eight a couple days ago i gotta give her that (laughs) um she'll kill me i've even told her what to do with that if anything happens to me or her mom or whatever what she needs to do with those assets even though her mind might not retain that at eight years old right it subconsciously she may retain that at eight years old and I will continue to reiterate that as she gets older so that was hugely important that your uncle had that impact on you and then okay you you went back you read the book and
1: yes I read the book and it it is about financial literacy for people that haven't read it. Um, I highly recommend that book. Um, There's a few other books I'll mention today, but that book is really kind of what started my path towards business. And um, that's what made me look at being a banker while I was in high school as as something worthwhile. Um, Yeah, that's what got it all started. I worked for Wells Fargo, well, sorry. That's my last employer. But uh, I mm-hmm. worked for Washington Mutual from 15 until 19. Okay. So I was um, a teller. I worked in the drive through and it gave me a chance to also be introduced to um, people who are successful, but these are not the success stories that your guidance counselor tells you about you right? in high school. <laughs>
3: right. All right, everyone. 404-892-2703. Any questions for Marianne or myself, even as it pertains to real estate? You know, he has commercial experience. I have commercial experience. We don't talk about it typically on the show because this is is for basic information so we don't get messed up when we're buying or selling, typically residential. But now you're going to learn about how not to get messed up when you're buying commercial real estate. And we have a phenomenal young man to help us. News and Talk 1380 WAOK. Mary Gill back in a minute.
0: Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News & Talk 1380 WAOK. Real estate issues? We've got your answers on Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News & Talk 1380 WAOK.
3: okay real estate 101 with Mary Gill and with Marion Watkins um Marion so you were telling us about your path and yeah. it is, it's interesting it's really really interesting where you start you know i had a um, a contemporary of mine, a, a gentleman tell me that his son was going to take a, a lesser job initially out of college. And he said, no, just hold out. Don't take that job. Wait until something in your field comes along. And then he did. And then he got, he ended up getting a great job. Okay. So it, I think the psychology of what you can do, what you're capable of doing, you know, where you start is hugely important. I think it says a lot Uh, as parents it says a lot to our children on what we feel they're capable of do you you see I agree Uh,
1: after reading rich dad poor dad for example um the responsibility I felt was really shifted back on me you know I felt really more um uh like my my future success was within my hands Mm -hmm. at that point in time So and and that's because I became more more uh, aware, you know, understanding of business and a lot of the concepts that that he brings up in that book. It it, it helped me see the world a little bit different. And so uh, it made me look for opportunities to learn. And so when I found out that Washington Mutual offered this high school internship program, I was like, that's great. As a matter of fact, I found out late Uh, it didn't get that much promotion at my high school. And I found out because one of my classmates was an intern, and I asked her how she got her job. And she said, well, down in the um, guidance counselor's office, Washington Mutual had showed up and asked for resume, um, well, essays to be submitted. And it, you just didn't hear that and much about they it.
3: They didn't announce that over yeah, there. Yeah, y- you know, you <laughs> heard more about the pep rally. Right. <laughs> you didn't
1: you didn't really <laughs> hear about that. And so, you know, like right off the top, I just thought, okay, that, that, that sounds a lot nicer than working at Six Flags. Exactly. Or that sounds a lot nicer than working at McDonald's. Mm-hmm you know um i don't have to work with uh f- food <laughs> or <laughs> or or uh screaming kids and so o- on the surface it just sounded like a more comfortable environment but um based on what i learned in that book and some other books i had read and some other conversations i had with family members you know it kind of became clear to me that working in the bank even if i didn't want to be in banking long term that that would be a great place to you work. know
3: what that would re- you <sighs> What I tell my girls and we have this philosophy, if you want something, ask for it. Oh yeah. Because if you don't ask for it, there's a hundred percent chance you're not gonna get it. That's right. But if you ask for it, at least you have a fifty percent chance well, to get it. Well, closed mouths don't get fed. Right. So even if it sounds crazy, just ask for it. Yeah. Uh, one time we were at a dealership and uh was we were checking out, my older daughter was with me. We we're checking out I got the whole service thing or whatever. And uh, he goes, okay, um, that'll be 100 and something dollars or $80, $90 or whatever. He said, is there anything else I can do for you? And my daughter says, yeah, you can give it to us for free. And he goes, okay. And he just clicked it off and gave it to us oh, for yeah. free. So it's hugely important to open your mouth and ask for things, which is what you did. You were inquisitive. Hey, how did you get that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> now that sounds
1: like a cool place to work after yeah. school instead of <laughs> out let in the rain ask. or something.
3: Yeah, let me go pursue. Let me be proactive. There's a you know, I, I believe there's two types of people. I promise you I do. Proactive and reactive.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then once you get into banking there's two other types of people, those that uh understand interest and collect it, and those that don't understand interest and pay it. And pay it. <laughs>
3: And unfortunately, the poor paper, pay, the poor people, pay the higher interest. For sure, <laughs> Sir Gideon, how are you today?
4: Sabbath blessings to be upon you and to Marion, your powerful guest, and to the mighty and holy people. How are you guys today?
3: Good, Gideon. Doing
1: well. Thank you for that.
3: Are you happy with hey. my guest today? Oh,
4: absolutely, Marion. I tell you, my brother, you are in the right. Industry, you have in uh, a tutor Mary gill Of course, I'm sure you can teach her. You can teach each other, you know. As as a revolutionary, spiritual revolutionary myself, land is key and essential to survival for all life on the planet. That's right. And of course, we have seen. I don't know how historically astute you are. In Atlanta, Auburn Avenue, just for instance, was a mecca for black commerce. Black land ownership, business, commercial ownership. Yeah. But we are losing, uh, as you well know, if you've been around, much of our commercial property, much of our land ownership. If I look at Auburn Avenue, Simpson Road, even going out in uh, uh, Stapolo Island, Hog Hammock. Uh, as a young. Intellectual and, and researcher, and you, in a sense, you have to be in order to do and get all the accolades and accomplishments that you have. What, could, uh, in reference to commercial property, would you say we, as a people, uh, need to do in order to keep land and commercial properties and look at more commercial property investment for the development of our people? I know that's a multi-level.
3: Mm, that's a good conflict. question. Really but,
4: good, uh, really good. Go ahead, go ahead, Mary. And Marianne,
1: what are your thoughts? Well, commercial real estate is, you know, a, a more sophisticated form of real estate transacting. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing that we have to do is um, not be afraid of something that seems obscure. And I'm going to be honest with you, the material uh, to overcome the learning curve and become familiar with commercial real estate, it's it's steep and it's, it's sometimes very dry material, okay? So I think that we have to um, keep in mind what is at stake, okay, by becoming more knowledgeable to get us through that learning curve with enthusiasm. And um, on the other side of that learning curve, you know, there's, there's all sorts of other things that we can start to discuss. Um, I'm in the process of organizing a syndication which is um, a group investment to purchase mm-hmm. six apartment complexes here in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. on the surface, this sounds like a very, very complicated thing and it is sophisticated, but the steps to complete this really are very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but this conversation is not able to be had because the learning curve is so steep.
3: And I think that, I'll, I think even you can apply, there's there's residential and commercial they are, they're, they're alike, and yet they're different in different mechanisms with reference to commercial. But, you know, of course, residential is simpler. Uh, commercial is more complex. Uh, however, I think that what intimidates us as a people are the steps and where we're going to get messed up because guess what we get we get messed up in residential so we're really going to get messed up if we try to buy commercial
1: well here's a couple things i want to throw out about commercial that i think people should know okay
3: okay i'm sorry you you write that down hold those thoughts okay, because sure. i got to take a break when i come back it's the deal of the decade um it's from gwinnett you'll get that and then you'll get marion's thoughts as well uh Gideon, do you, yeah. you, you want to hold? Or do you want to? Uh, if, if I
4: may, I wanted to sure, ask one sure of the thing. questions.
3: You can. Hold on. All
4: right.
3: News and Talk 1380, WAOK. Mary Gill, back with the Deal of the Decade.
0: WAOK Atlanta. W-V-E-E-H-T-3. News and Talk 1380, WAOK. News and Talk 1380, WAOK. W-A-OK. W-A-OK.
3: Hey, real estate 101. I'm Mary Gill. When you hear that, you know what time it is. It's time for deal of the decade. And today's deals are coming to you out of Gwinnett County one of the, the single family detached home doesn't have a ton of equity but it is an amazing deal it's a foreclosure all oh, I will now probably be only giving you foreclosures since the market has now turned <laughs> and it is a uh, seller's market now I will be probably only giving you foreclosures but this is um a 3 bedroom 2 bath and it is 15 60 square feet it's a ranch which is really amazing difficult to find it's a phenomenal house it has double front porches a great room dining room it's been walled off to offer a bedroom on the main there's also a full bath that's been added there's a wheelchair ramp in the garage which means it's you know great for older people large eating kitchen master bedroom has access to an upper porch and a great massive backyard and the front yard is nice it's, it looks like it's in a beautiful little like really nice quaint neighborhood now this previously went just under a hundred but now fannie mae under homepath.com is selling it and it's listed at 84.9 oh, yeah. so that's a really 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 great price i mean your payment on that is half of what you'd be paying in rent on on that it's unbelievable the next one is attached it's a newer unit it is has a living area of 1864 square feet built in 1998 it has three bedrooms four baths it's a townhome with a garage oh and you know what did i not give the address on the previous one (laughs) danielle my gosh okay i'm sorry the single family residence uh address is 3425 revere circle 3425 revere r-e-v-e-r-e circle snellville georgia 30039 i'm sorry about that okay so now we're back to the townhouse it's three stories it's three bedrooms four baths that means the first level is finished it's a really really cute end unit look at that danielle really really cute how about that Mario? Nice little, cute little town. Oh, that's corner. nice, and yep.
1: everyone likes the in-unit. Mm-hmm. Fewer walls to share.
3: Exactly. Previously went uh, for one forty, and now it's currently listed with Fannie Mae at one twenty-seven. Oh, yeah. That is located at three three five four Merlot M E R L O T Court in Lawrenceville, Georgia. That's a really, really, really good deal. That's. Really, really nice. It has a driveway and a garage, and I love them. Danielle will later post those to the W.A.O.K. website. Oh, here you go, Danielle. Thank you. Okay. Now, before the break, we were answering the myriad of questions that Gideon always has. (laughs) Only kidding, Gideon. Only kidding. Okay. Okay. Now, what can we do, of course, as a people to, I guess, protect what we have? I I think that... um,
1: well, we need to demystify a few things about commercial real estate and, um, you know, talk more about how it it's different from residential mm. and um, kind of hang that carrot out there as to something to work towards because th- there's a lot of incentives, okay, as to why you should be willing to learn a little bit more about commercial real estate. I'm going to lay out a couple of um, okay. points. Okay. Okay, for example, when people rent a house, a single-family house, Mm -hmm. okay, in most cases, the house is either going to be 100% occupied, and when that person moves out, it is now 100% vacant, okay? In an apartment building, for example, or even something as small as a four-unit quadruplex, your risk is spread over more tenants, okay? Um, You can still operate without having to dip into your own personal funds to satisfy the debt or make repairs on that property because you have more tenants paying you rent.
3: And let me just interject this one thing about the four units, you can still buy that as a single family residence under you know, residential guidelines, up to four units, go ahead.
1: Right. So you know, when, you, when you start thinking about, um, well, how risky is it okay, compared to residential, uh, if you're going to play that game of being a landlord in single family homes, it is actually a much riskier game than it is owning apartments.
3: Oh, I've been there.
1: You know, <laughs> also certainly. Um, a couple other things. Value. So the value in your residential property is attached to comparable sales. Mm-hmm. That's not really the way commercial real estate works. The value in commercial real estate. Is measured based on the income that that property is producing Mm -hmm. which means that the value has been put really within your control okay Um, if you have two apartment buildings across the street from each other identical in size age and condition and they both have 100 units and if your apartment building is 80% occupied and if my apartment building is 97% occupied Whose property is worth more? Of course yours. Mine, because Mm -hmm. my property is making more money. Now, does that mean that you don't have the opportunity to increase the value? No, you have to figure out how to attract more tenants, increase your occupancy, and the value of your property will go up as well. Okay. Um, Borrowing money on commercial real estate is also a lot different. On residential, you're the one under scrutiny. Okay, You're the star. Mm -hmm. In commercial, the property is the star. The questions are about how much money does this property make? Okay, what is the plan for operating this property? Can this property afford to repay the debt if you're borrowing with leverage or um, buying it with leverage? Means getting a mortgage on it. Or if you're going to be paying cash, um, then you're not dealing with the banks anyway. But the way you borrow money on these things is a lot different. Um, The people who are selling commercial real estate are more open to giving you help to finance the property. So this is called seller financing. So it, it, it might be um, a steeper learning curve to understand how to assess what you might be getting into, and it requires more homework. But actually, it, it represents a much lower risk, um, especially when you put it side by side with trying to run the same s- sort of operation out of a single-family home.
3: Well, that's interesting you say that because I sold two pieces of property, actually, that were both seller financed. And, um, the, it, and guess and guess who bought it? Who? A Hispanic guy. Of course. So, you know, it's like he saw the opportunity, he took it, I had the properties for sale, he said, will the seller finance? I went to my seller, I'm thinking, there, no, there's no way he's gonna finance, they're gonna want their money, you yeah. know what I mean? And uh, they're like, sure, we'll finance it.
1: Of course. <laughs> And I said, of course, earlier when you mentioned that it was a Hispanic gentleman, because you know it, that that doesn't strike me as odd. Because right. you see, it's it's the mindset to approach something that seems relatively uh, obscure. So, so th- in order to overcome this learning curve, is I think it's more about your attitude, really, than it is about your background with um, real estate or even a formal education on its own. You know, it's it's some people just have the the the, the attitude to just get into it and you know they'll learn as they go
3: they had no experience whatsoever they had previously been just fixing cars on their own and now they wanted a garage yeah you know what i mean and they didn't really know what they were doing but um they got through it and they bought the property seller financed gideon do you have another question because i have have other callers
4: absolutely Uh, let me just uh, first of all i was impressed hearing this morion uh and did i pronounce your name correctly
3: Maria,
4: mm-hmm. that's great. Talk about in investing because it took me to the movie Straight Out of Compton, where you have this billion-dollar uh, company now that was started from the hustle of Eze, who invested in his brethren, and they developed their their skills. Now, my question, basically, first of all, are churches commercial property? Yes. Exactly. Now. In reference to our people, because we obviously everybody needs a place to stay, and we have so many people under bridges that are just uh, they don't have a a foundation to build upon where they can use their skills in order to afford a a living. And of course, as Mary knows, and you probably know, we lost so much money during this last real estate debacle. Mm. Would it be feasible, in your estimation, at for commercial property that a church is? to invest in purchasing land for housing so that our people could have...
1: Places. For sure. I, I know exactly where you're going with that. Nonprofit organizations, churches, yeah.
3: Um, and and we'll, we'll talk a little further about it. I'll have him talk about it uh, after the break, okay?
4: Thank you so much, Mariam. Stay thanks. strong, my brother. Nice Keep seeing
3: going. you, too, at, I mean, the, thanks, at the mixer, Gideon.
4: Yes, it was nice seeing you, too,
3: as well, Barry. You right. already know. Even though you wouldn't dance with me, but that's <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, see you later. All right, All right. News and Talk 1380, WAOK. Mary Gill with Marion back in a minute.
2: Hello, I'm Kimani Franks. You're listening to Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News and Talk 1380, WAOK.
0: We've got your answers on Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill on News and Talk 1380, WAOK. Call us at 404 892 2703 on News and Talk 1380, WAOK.
3: WAOK shows real estate 101 I'm Mary Gill with Marian Watkins Um, (laughs) 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 I'm trying to split the music between younger and old school and uh, I don't know this I don't know young music I just I don't know it
1: well I'll see what I can do to help you
3: So when you hear the other songs, you know, anyway, they're, they're his, some, some are his choices. All right, so before the break, we were talking about churches buying property. Right. Um, there's so many mega churches here in the metro Atlanta area. And I personally, and I'm not naming names, but I've done a little bit of just kind of, late night goo you know on the computer, can't go to sleep type thing. And I found out like one of the mega churches the properties that they own, which sure. is just astronomical. Yeah,
1: their portfolio.
3: Crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crazy, crazy, crazy. That I think that even if their parishioners knew Yeah. That they would be it would be staggering to them that this that these people by means of an LLC, Mm -hmm. they own all, they own amazing things, right? All of this, all of this property. Um, So talk to, speak to that, speak to churches being commercial and then owning, of course, you know, they're nonprofit organizations, so they're tax exempt.
1: Well, I don't know how their tax treatment goes because they've probably had to purchase these properties in a taxable entity, such as an LLC, but the money that it took to um, probably secure the financing, make those down payments, you know, probably came from, you know, the, the operations of the right. nonprofit, mm-hmm. you know, as the church. Um, but there's a lot of different income opportunities uh, for some of these mega churches. I mean, they're, they're full blown production companies, you know, radio, recording, all sorts of things. So, um, you know, like large school endowments or state retirement, you know, pension funds and things, you know, they, they, they have a lot of money that's coming in um, and they they need to build a portfolio to be sure that, you know, they'll, they'll be able to sustain their business.
3: I, I think what Gideon was speaking to and he brings this up intermittently, you know, over the years or whatever, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. And that is, is that with the people's money, we should be buying property and building residences for people who are less fortunate you know homeless things like that i i i'm kind of i i, I even though i sell real estate you know and i try to protect people and i'm an advocate If you go deep in my heart, I'm more Native American in my thinking that you cannot really own the land. (laughs) Sure. It belongs to God and everybody. Um, But I think that since we have this system whereby you buy and sell land, that uh, a nonprofit should be buying property so that it benefits people.
1: I think that's something that uh, they would even agree with. But the... The knowledge that it takes to actually execute against something like this, um, I don't think that it's represented. I don't think that the people who would actually help them complete these transactions uh, sit on the boards. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they have the right right people in that mix. Um, You know, it's just like an athlete or an entertainer. You know, you just don't have certain people around you. Then, well, you'll keep spending money on cars and jewelry and stuff when you could have very easily financed uh, a 185 unit apartment oh, complex right. for which you just paid for that car exactly you know and so
3: i tell you what one time i represented a and he was trying to buy a house for himself and he was trying to buy a house for his mother it was a rapper sure okay and he had a ton of money but guess what and he also had financial advice financial advisor yeah he said Mary here's my financial advisor contact them and let's work this deal out I want this house for myself and then I want to get a house for my mom I said okay so I called the financial advisor it was a black owned company which okay cool I'm I'm down with that black you know yeah help each other oh well no. <laughs> They turned out to be defensive, Mm -hmm. um, rude, accused me of being self-serving because I began to inquire as to why this celebrity with this ton and ton and tons of money, why does he still have bad credit?
1: That makes no sense.
3: Their first priority should have been to make sure that that his credit yeah. Was good.
1: yeah, that's the first thing you do when you get money. You fix your teeth and your credit. So,
3: <laughs> it's like, what, uh, what you know, so then I'm trying to be diplomatic and questioning them about why is it that this man he, who has a ton of money can't buy a house, can't get a mortgage because his credit is jacked up and you're getting paid every month right, to help him. So, I think that that's you know we are not we do when we do utilize one another, sometimes we can be self-serving.
1: Yeah, I've seen that.
3: Now let's. Uh, oh, we got we have a call. Daryl, thank thank you for holding. How are you?
2: How you doing, Mary? You good? Good.
3: Hey,
2: but well, you know, I, I I found out years ago. I thought about some property and buy a City area. Okay. But most of that property over there is owned by white people. Even, even though it's a black, uh, I mean, in our neighborhood, but most of the property in our neighborhood is, is owned by white people. So that's, that's kind of deceiving that, that that's our neighborhood, but the property, we don't own that neighborhood that keeps Yeah,
1: that you happens know? a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think in most neighborhoods that uh, you go in, that apartment and stuff, or... Uh, we live there, but we, uh, people,
1: uh, we own the property. Yeah. Well, you know, in my opinion, Daryl, it, it, it kind of starts with conversation. You know, you're going to hear me say this a lot on this show today. It's, it's mm-hmm. conversation and you're just not going to become more comfortable with a subject that you never talk about. Mm-hmm. And we've got to start talking about it more. And, you know, there's all sorts of resources, uh, free. Um, you know, maybe I'll explain how I really became very familiar with commercial real estate. Um, Mm -hmm. but um, Mm -hmm. we gotta start talking about it, and and you'll never learn more about something that you never talk about. But
2: I don't don't think a lot of people really know. They look like the the black community. They think we own everything, but if a certain that property is buying it, even Avenue, not not being owned by Mm
1: factory. Yeah.
2: So you're so owned by white people, so
1: they can
3: sit up on you in the break of the eye. Yeah.
2: Thank you, Daryl. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
3: 404-892-2703. When we come back from the break, I want to give you Marion's contact information, as well as mine, if, in fact, you have any questions for either of us. Real Estate 101 with Mary Gill, back in a minute.
0: News and Talk 1380 WAOK. Thinking about buying a home, but don't have the first clue of what to do? Call Mary Gill now. I'm Real Estate 101 404 892 2703. News and Talk 1380 WAOK.
3: Good afternoon everyone, welcome back, News and Talk 1380, WAOK, Real Estate 101, with Mary Gill and Marianne Watkins. Um, We have a caller holding, we're going to go directly to the caller, and then I want to talk a little bit more about Marianne's history, which you're going to find interesting, and then you're really going to want to call, wait till you hear about this. James, how are you today?
4: I'm good, how are you all? Good. Doing well. Good, good. First, I I, th- I thought you were gonna mix in some some newer music.
3: Um, well, hey,
5: uh, <laughs> he's
3: thinking of some.
4: All
5: right,
3: <laughs> I'm, you know, we're flying by the seat of our pants here.
5: Uh, that's all right. You
3: got something hey, you wanna hear?
4: I I do. Real quick, um, as a as an individual who's invested in uh, residential real estate in the past, um, who's got got out during the down down economy. Um, what is your recommendation for someone like myself who's actually interested in getting back into real estate but has vowed to sp- specifically focus in on the commercial side, uh, particularly sales or even investment? What would be, uh, Mario, what would be your recommendations for someone like myself?
1: Well, you have to decide. Um, I-, I guess we need to start narrowing down uh, what you're trying to do as an investment strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe start to define how long you might want to hold the property, what your objectives are, okay?
3: What kind of property?
1: Right, because uh, once we have a better idea of how long you might want to own it and how much money you need to be making from it, okay, then we can start figuring out, okay, well, what type of properties would support this realistically, okay, based on, you know, how large of a down payment you'll be able to make Mm -hmm. if you plan on using uh, debt or if you're trying to acquire this Mm debt-free, okay, then we need to also take that into consideration. So when it comes to um, just becoming more knowledgeable about commercial real estate to to try to figure out uh, kind of the lay of the land, I would suggest that um, you take a look at a couple of trade journals. Um, Like there's some online magazines that people can take a look at that also provide some some data on uh, the state of the market. There's one uh, website in particular that I like called National Real Estate Investor. Okay, and they're, uh, they're at nreionline.com, mm-hmm. and it's an online magazine. And they do a really good job of breaking the properties down into different categories. So you'll see residential, office, retail, industrial property, and then you can go into that subsection and then begin to learn more about that type of property and what's new. Okay. yeah. Excellent. Yeah.
4: Perfect. That's that. My my second question was some some uh, some some resources for for learning as well. So excellent. I appreciate your time.
1: Hey, there's one other thing. Uh, Do not forget about YouTube. YouTube is great, you know, so um, there's a lot of people that blog. And um, they have great websites. I mean, I don't follow anyone's blog specifically, but sometimes Mm -hmm. when I need to overcome a learning curve very quick and the material is a little dry in the book and I'm falling Mm -hmm. asleep at night, I'll just type in the subject matter in YouTube and I'll find someone who's, for some reason, wanted to turn the camera on themselves, and they'll sit there and explain it with graphics and everything. And, you know, uh, there you go. And, and And now I at least understand what the material is about you know, I've got someone there to explain it to me, uh, even if I don't know anyone personally who knows about that particular
3: Or even two or three area. people. I find when I sure. when I need to know anything, I will go to YouTube and maybe get two or three different people's For opinions sure. on mm-hmm. the same thing. And then you combine all of those in to, to get what you want.
1: Yeah, take off yeah. the shelf with, you know, what you need and mm-hmm. leave on the shelf what you don't.
4: Absolutely. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And speaking a little bit in furtherance of the uh, James's call, I, I think that, w- first of all, you need to be, determine how much capital you have to use. Right. And then w- how you can best utilize what you have in what direction. And if, in fact, you don't have a lot of capital, and I think this is where we really, really, really fall short as a people because we're just generally not trusting people with good reason, But we're generally not trusting is I've seen in my own personal real estate experience is is real estate investment trusts coming together, REITs, they're called REITs. Mm -hmm. And that can be two, three, four, five, ten people coming together with money, even in various different percentages and buying property yeah i'll give give you an example i mean i did a transaction where they bought um i'll just i'm gonna i'm not gonna be very specific because it's kind of confidential but they bought up a, a a nice group of properties right and i'll say there was about 10 investors now everybody sent in a different size check based upon their percentage of investment into that real estate investment trust. So that's another way where all of us or a bunch of us or groups of us that don't have a ton of capital to start with can begin investing by forming real estate investment trusts.
1: Yeah, I agree this is actually a mechanism or a vehicle that is used by individuals um all the way up to major institutions right. okay um i mean when you think about major projects uh, especially development projects skyscrapers being built you think about if i if i really reach back things like the hoover dam these were uh the pooled resources okay of uh, in those cases you know, large, large institutions and, and some very, um, wealthy private individuals. But this is how most property in the higher price ranges is purchased. Okay. is is purchased with, uh, the pooled resources of a group of people who have similar mindset and they're looking to ap- achieve, you know, similar investment objectives. And
3: they form a vehicle to That's do right. that together.
1: That's right. Now there is a term I'm going to throw out there, um, but this is commonly referred to as syndication, mm-hmm. okay? And this is different than syndication when you think about television and radio and things mm-hmm. like that. But syndication in the investment world is the pulling of resources, okay? And the, instead of having um, like a property manager who is collecting rent, overseeing operations of a community or of a shopping mall or something like that, there is what you call a sponsor the person who is organizing and promoting the investment opportunity to all of the people who are going to pull their money and put it into this vehicle. So this person becomes your asset manager, your portfolio manager, and, and they will report to the investors on how things are going. And it's their job to always keep the investor's best interests at heart and um, act, you know, in ways that achieve the objectives, you know, the goals. We're trying to we're trying to um, basically uh, take the expertise that we have, okay, and work with the people who have the money, mm-hmm. who would like their money to be put into these type of assets, and 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 that's it. I mean, it's it's not really that complicated, mm-hmm. but but it's as a concept, it, it's not being talked about, and so it seems obscure, and it seems, you know, maybe a little boring. But it's it, it opens up um, a lot of opportunity if, if if you can overcome those things and stay enthusiastic.
3: Well, I want to tell you now. I mean, this is good. This is breaking news. So I hope you're listening. Um, at the beginning of October. I had intended to put together a homebuyer seminar, and Marion has just changed the whole thing for me, and it's going to be a real estate seminar. So he will come, he's agreed to come, and also lend his expertise as well in the commercial field. Uh, so pay attention, That more information will be coming in the future about that, and uh, we hope to have it down kind of in the Southwest Atlanta area. 404-892-2703, I'm Mary Gill. And we are back in a minute.
0: News and Talk 1380.